see, young America, we need to talk. You may think this is uncool. You may even think it is bogus. But I want to tell you about something that has everyone buzzing. Something that concerns mature boys and girls just like you. Something called grassroots. Aaron Ashley Simon. And this is Brandon Killabeach Hall. And welcome to another episode of Grassroots Podcast, where it's not just about where you're going, where you currently are, but it's also about where you came from. Today, we have a special guest. This is Take Two. Take Two. Take Two. Yeah. Rocky. That's R-A-Q-I. <laughs> just so you know. And and again, for Take not Two, this is an R-O-C-K-Y. podcast. <laughs> Well, my name used to be R-O-C-K-Y, and then I got in touch with my feminine side, and I went with R-A-Q-I, just a touch I feel like you're like Prince. Like, you changed your name, like, three times. Like, why, why the change? Perfect. Um, seasons change, bipolar swings, you know, stuff like that. Okay. Oh, okay, shit. Okay. All right. No, the, um, actually, the, the spelling <laughs> of Rocky really did come from the fact that Rocky is a masculine name, R-O-C-K-Y, so... Mm -hmm. Uh, Rocky short for Raquel so I said R-A-Q-I and it's just really cute I double dot the I and I fell in love okay mm -hmm. alright hey but what about the, the the name after the Rocky that you so, changed Rocky from Thunder to Thunder right yeah. Thunder with an A um, that started years ago because I actually have Thunder thighs and if you're on camera you can see what's going on here so <laughs> uh, it started off with my friends saying Thunder Thunder Thundercat whoa because I'm an 80s baby and we mm -hmm. just watch Thundercats so it was really stupid and fun at the same time. But when I did radio back in the day, the name Rocky Thunder, everyone thought I was like huge, like a wrestler or something like mm -hmm. that. And I thought it was cool because I didn't want anyone to know how fabulous and naturally gorgeous I am. So, um, yeah, I stuck to it. And then I recently, recently went to the Olympics and there was a track runner with the last name Ferrari. And I was there with my girlfriend, Jamie Lynn. And she was like, oh, that's a dope name. I was like, yeah, Jamie Lynn Ferrari. She was like in Rocky Bugatti. I was like, and that was just another silly thing, but I'm with it. Oh, so like all these things are like just people just fucking with you and you take them and then just. Yeah. That's yeah. kind of dope. Yeah. It's just like how I feel. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. So let's, let's get into uh, you per se, because you've, you've traveled That's around. What, what? That's what he says. <laughs> 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 fucking hate Rocky people. I hate her. Uh, but now nah, let's get into uh, your journey uh, career-wise because um, you've you've been in different circles, uh, different media entities, mm -hmm. uh, different uh, I guess outlets for lack of a better word. So where where did your I guess career progression start for you? Um, many 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 moons ago. My career changes as much as my name, if not more. Um, I started way back in the day doing internet radio. When people were like, oh, that's corny. It's not an FM station. However, I had people like Dame Dash on my show. I had all kinds of big names while people were sleeping on it. Um, that was years ago. And it's so funny how the tides change and podcasting is the thing. I'm like, it's not too much different than internet radio. Um, so I started off doing internet radio. My first, my actual first, first real interview was with Timbaland. And that's back when he opened the Cherry Lounge back in Harlem and... Um, 
the very first day, Beyonce came, Jay-Z came, uh, Bruce Willis came, and it was just a room full of people. And I was just like, holy shit, how did I get in here? And uh, there's a backstory to how I got in there too. But anyway, um, long story short, I just uh, took a shot at Timbo and I said, hey, I want to do an interview on you. And he was like, all right, cool. So I did an interview with him and I had nowhere to place it. There was no internet radio then. There was nothing going on. I was just like, fuck it. I just need this information. So um, it went really well. And then a few months later, I had sent the transcript over to my friend. A few months later, I got a magazine in the mail uh, called Rhyme and Reason from uh, Australia. And my interview was in there. So that was the oh. spark that was like, okay, I'm kind of dope. Mm-hmm. Now, how did, how did your, I guess, your peers take to that? Because you, you originally didn't start out in media, right? I don't know where my start came from. I actually was a stockbroker, an investment banker for oh, quite wow. some time. I always loved radio. I goes back, I mean, as far back to my dad having a Cadillac that had a CB radio in there. And um, I used to get on there, break a break a one nine. And then I came up with the name Ladybug and the truckers knew my name. They was like, oh, there goes Ladybug. And I was like, I like this radio shit. And um, then I took it a step forward and found out that if you break headphones in a certain kind of way and attach it to your boombox, it can be a microphone. So I started recording myself that way. And then little by little, I was just like, you know what, radio is my thing. And then my name was Radio Rock. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And um, so, but I needed to make money, a lot of it. I'm a single mom. And um, I was like, I'm not about to work at a radio station or intern at a radio station and not be able to pay bills. Mm -hmm. So I was like, what's the best way in New York City to make a lot of money and still be able to do, you know, like follow my dreams? And I was like, oh, Wall Street. And that was just another jump out the window where people were like, come on, Rock, Wall Street. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to do it. And I took my Series 7 and passed, which is not um, the average person. Doesn't pass yeah, in the first time. That, that's a difficult. Uh, it's a test. very difficult test. In fact, um, in ratings of difficult test test difficulties would be uh, the MCAT, then the bar, then the Series Seven, and so yeah. So anyway, I passed my Series Seven and I got the job that I needed to make a lot, a lot of money. And from there, I was like, okay, work my day job, go home, do homework with the kid, feed him, put him to sleep, and then hit a radio station. And that's what I did for several years, and it just took off dope. from there. Yeah, that's dope. That's really awesome. Like that, I think that's awesome how like you went and did something that probably people thought you couldn't do. Yeah, I don't think I think everyone can do anything you put your mind to. Um, just go for it. You know, you're gonna fall on your face quite a few times, but just get used to it and dust yourself off and keep going. Mm-hmm. Now, fast forwarding, uh, going into now, you have your own show. Um, you know, on serious. Talk to me about that. How did that opportunity present itself to you? And like, what was the first emotion that you, uh, you know, kind of was overwhelming? Was it, you know, like, well, shit, I'm, I'm here now. Like, what <laughs> well, do I do? Well, it's funny because prior to that, everything I've ever done, honestly, every everything I've ever done, I've bum rushed the situation. It, I will have little to no experience in experience in it at all. But I just push for it. Like, I can do this. In my mind, I'm just like, I can do this. I want to do it. I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. It could be literally a thought that comes to my mind today and tomorrow. I'm at a TV station or a radio station and won't know anyone. And I'm like, okay, well, their morning show starts at 6 o'clock. I'm going to be there at 5 o'clock and I'm going to bump into you and I'm going to make this happen. Mm-hmm. And so my first real start with radio kind of behind the scenes was with Star and Buck Wild. Mm-hmm. 
And I literally stood outside every single day at 5 a.m. with my resume in pink colors, red colors, green colors, something that would stand out. And then finally, uh, Star was like, what the fuck do you want? <laughs> and I was like, I want a job. I want to work. I want to do radio and I want to work with you. So he brought me in and um, it's funny, he was with DX21 at the time and and I was there and I was just excited, like, shit, I'm just in the studio, like, I don't know what mic I'm going to jump on. And that really wasn't being offered to me at the time, but I was like, I'm in here. And DX was like, aren't you bright-eyed and bushy-tailed? I'm like, yeah, bitch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and um, it's so funny because right when that happened um, is when he, uh, Star said some disparaging things on air. And actually, that day, I was still at my day job, and I'm listening to him. I'm like, oh, in another two weeks, I'm resigning. That's it. I'm out of here. I'm going to be on radio. And I'm listening to the radio show and I hear him say this shit. And I'm like, oh boy, we all getting fired today. And literally that's what happened. But I was like, I couldn't let that stop me. Um, so yeah, he started, he actually started writing a book, Star, Star and Buck Bob. He was writing a book and I was like, let me help you edit it. And he was like, uh, do you, are you a writer? And I'm like, no, I know English very well. <laughs> so, you know, I took the book and started skimming through it. So little by little, I've discovered that anything I want to do, I'm going to do it. And if that makes me a jack of all trades, so be it. Mm -hmm. But it's paid well. It's been fun. It goes with my very flighty personality. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like, you know, the saying is a jack of all trades, the master of nothing. But I think it's bullshit. I think I could master something in six months and move on. Yeah, I, I think that too. I think it, it also, uh, to your point, it also talks about, the amount of effort and work you put into it. Like, mm -hmm. that's that's crazy. You're sitting out there uh, out of a radio station every day. And As you a woman, thought, yeah, so, yeah, you know what I'm saying? You, and you thought enough to say, all right, let me change the, the color of my resume and let yeah. me spice it up. Let me get them to notice me. A lot of people want things to happen, but don't really put in the effort or don't really think outside the box to stand out yeah. right. uh, in that freaking uh ridiculously uh competitive market right. as is especially at that time yeah so that's pretty dope now fast forwarding a little bit more you're now on 106 well i never got to the part of going on to hip-hop nation i don't i don't recall exactly how i got on hip-hop nation all i know is that um green lantern dj green lantern was had a spot on there and i just kind of stalked him out i called one person like hey do you have this guy's number and and I called him, I was like, I'm a personality. And he was like, ah, oh, just come up. And I literally, I never left. Like, I came up that Monday, and then I came up the next Monday, and it was like, there's no stopping me. And it's just like, I get comfortable with people in a way. They're like, oh, she's just cool. She's just mm -hmm. chilling. And I'm like, no, I'm a shark, and I'm, 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 I'm carving out my position right here. And that's really what happened. And I stayed for five years. And the program director, shout out to Reggie, who hated my guts, but um, <laughs> never understood how there was a new co-host on this show. He didn't hire me himself. And but I was there every day. Hmm. So what were some of the challenges that you had to overcome? Because I know, like as a woman, getting into the media industry is it's fairly tough. I mean, I'm sure you've had people try to like proposition, like come at you certain ways. Harvey Weinstein. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. Well, there is a story with Harvey, but you know, I'm gonna hold that for the book. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um. There's there's a lot of there's a ton of obstacles that you go through as a woman in general. Um. But I don't let that stop me. Like, for instance, I had a conversation with a friend the other day, and he's like, oh, you know what? You're dope. It's just like you just never stick to one thing. There's two reasons why I don't. One is because I'm 
constantly on the run for money. Like I, I don't want to be the starving artist and I don't ever want to be that. I have a, I have a kid who I support and I like living a nice lifestyle. So my thing is like, if you're a real, uh, real estate agent, which I'm that as well, um, you sold a house this week and two weeks later you haven't sold a house. What are you going to do? Keep, you know, go find something else to do. Mm -hmm. If it's go work at a car wash or whatever it is. So that was part of the reason, part of the difficulties in making it in media is because I'm like, okay, it's my presence is wearing thin or the money's not picking up fast enough. So I got to go over here and, and go secure the bag and then come back. That's one. Two, um, not only am I just a, a woman, I'm, I roll solo for the most part. I don't have a big squad. I don't have a team. So a lot of the women that you see progress in media is because they have a nice team behind them and th that's worth a ton of money in itself. But um, I don't. So I get, I, get, uh, I get certain requests sometimes or I get certain, you know, vibes from people. It's just like, hey, if you want to do this, let's go out for dinner. And it's like, okay, yeah, I'll go to dinner and I'll order shit until you're almost disgusted with me and then that's about it. And if you have a job for me the next day, cool. If not, then I'm done with it. So what's like one of the craziest things that's happened to you before? Um, no names, but just like what, what was the craziest thing? No, I would never give names. And that's part of the other reason why I have the moniker Hip Hop's Confidant is because I have really great intimate relationships with a lot of people in this, rela in, in this industry. And I say intimate, not saying physically intimate, mm -hmm. but I mean, I'm the one that they call at 3 a.m. and like, spill the beans about everything from their dark childhoods to what's going on in their relationships now. So it's really crazy. But um, I really, I haven't gone through anything super, super crazy where it's just like, okay, call the cops kind of situation. But um, after going on Love and Hip Hop is when the door swung open to people trying me in ways that they've never tried me before. Um, prior to going on that show, it was like I was you know, the kid's sister to everyone. And it was just like, oh, she's Rocky's just dope and she's fly and she's cool. She's no drama. So it's like anything I ever wanted to do, whether it be 106 in Park or whatever it is, it was just like make a phone call like, hey, Mike, can you, uh, I said a name, but anyway, Mike is cool. Uh, can you, can you call, <laughs> can you call Stephen Hill for me and see? And it's like, oh, Rocky, we don't have to go that far up the chain. I was like, no, call Stephen and get me on 106 in Park. So it was really, really cool then. But then I went on loving hip-hop and in that arena where women are called bitches and hoes and sluts and whores every minute of the day whether you're a virgin or two guys three guys whatever the case may be you're labeled something automatically being on that show because that's part of you know the dynamic of the show um it was funny because i feel like some of the executives and decision makers in the industry was just like oh, wait rocky's a hoe like, I didn't get none. She's, she's sleeping with who and what? And obviously it's all lies and, and deception. It's part of the role that you unfortunately have to play on that show. But um, it was like right after that, uh, the approach from people who I would say was, oh, this is my brother. This is, mm -hmm. this is someone I could call. Yeah. This is my right-hand man. Like, I got the president of this company that can make this phone call. Started approaching me a little bit differently. And um, so I don't want to blame it all on Love and Hip Hop, but that started, that was where the, the start of the situations or approaches in yeah. that way started. But also what changed with that as well is um, I always had the balance of being an investment banker or being in the stock market and doing media by, media by night, nine to five by day. And um, 
after doing Love and Hip Hop, it went from me doing this out of a passion and, and me just loving media and wanting to be a personality and having my bread and butter with my nine to five. I didn't need anything from anyone mm -hmm. to me leaving corporate and being in the, the media world and industry world. And that's when they know like, oh, OK, she needs us now. Like in order for her to keep her lights on and pay her bills, yeah. you know, she needs this next gig. Yeah. So that's where people start dangling the carrots and like, oh, yeah, I can get you in this door. And it's just like, eh, I'm gonna fuck yourself, and um, I'm gonna figure it another way. <laughs> now, talk to us uh, about love and hip hop, because you know, obviously, that was that was a rough time for you. You know, it Woo! was it was a lot of slander, a lot of uh, you know negative comments being Insane. made, and I think you know, you me knowing you personally, you went through a, a bit of a rough patch because it was like, ah, uh, like rough is it the word? Yeah, you went through a, a bit of a rough patch. What what have you learned from that experience? And if you know, you could maybe change certain things, or if you had control over um, how your your personality was yeah. spent. Yeah. to people what would you do to try to uh deter that definitely the first lesson i learned was creative control you have mm -hmm. to be in control of your own creativity and how you're presented to people um i remember doing the show and literally calling mona every night like crying like okay how do i beat this like i got four and five people in my face daily like screaming things about me that's not really real like mm -hmm. at what point does the perspective or the narrative change you know like i i can't beat five people i can't yeah. say i'm not this and i know i've never slept with that person so it was that type of situation i was just like never again allow somebody to produce who you are um what was the question? You know, I, I smoke sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, well, you answered the first part is creative control, meaning like, you know, controlling your own destiny and how you right. want to be portrayed. Um, I guess the second part would be if you could do anything different than or, or handle, I guess, uh, circumstances or situations different. I also learned to, to temper the way I, I chase the check because once I found out that uh, when you're on Love and Hip Hop or a reality show in general, if you're not on TV that night, you don't get a check. So basically, you can film for nine months straight. And if you're only on one episode, you get one check. Mm -hmm. I was the first in Love and Hip Hop history to be on all 15 episodes because I learned that I was like, oh, man, I need every single check. So I went with the flow of things and how I was being portrayed. And I was like, OK, next season, they'll give me my light and they'll show who I really am because... The basis of me even going on that show was I wanted to show or present to the world the uh, the pursuit of happiness. Like I wanted to show them, hey, I, I work at, you know, I'm an investment banker and I have a kid and I'm on radio and I'm not a hoe and I never had to sleep my way. And it, that was not the premise of the show. They're like, yeah. oh, bitch, shove that up your ass. This is what we're going to do with you. Mm -hmm. So um, basically just temper myself a little bit more. Not every check is a good check. And I will say that I actually spent more money on my attorneys and trying to break contracts and certain things than I did on the show itself. So mm. that's crazy. Yeah. So how are like during that time you, you say that you have a son? Like how was that discussion with him? Like I'm sure at that point he was able to watch it on TV and maybe his friends were too. So what what was that conversation like with the him? The dope thing about that is there there's Rocky Rocky Thunder Rocky Bugatti Radio Rocky whoever that is. And then there's mom for me. And um, there's always been a separation of those two. And my son is so well balanced. Like he doesn't even get into drama at all. He doesn't even like those types of shows. So um, obviously he was excited that I was on reality, 
but you watch the first episode involved from that day on, like, I will never watch this again. Mm -hmm. And it was funny because the town that I live in, all the kids felt the same way because they know me as mom, the one who makes cookies. And I'm not, I'm not painting a picture. I'm really like, I, I have blueberries here for my kids now. Um, okay. <laughs> my grassroots kids, you know, I'm trying to get you guys up to five antioxidants a day. But no, um, so they know me as just like the cool ass mom. And, and so they were just like, mm, that's not cool. We don't like how that looks. So I, there was no conversation to be had. They, they figured out from day one, like, oh, this is not who we know and we don't want any parts of it. So mm -hmm. I was cool. Yeah. Now, uh, affecting relationships, right? Mm -hmm. As far as that show goes, I know that that affected a few of the, uh, I guess, core people in your in your relationship. How is that now? Were you able to kind of get them to see, like, yo, none of this shit was real, and you y'all should have known <laughs> this shit wasn't real, but yeah. you know, I get it because just it, the... it changed from their perspective and mine as well. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not gonna lie, doing that show, I felt lost. Like there was moments, and and I'm not using this word loosely i had suicidal moments mm -hmm. because i would come home and it was it was like i was just a fraction of myself like i live a really charmed life like even me and my girlfriends we don't call each other bitch like it's like we don't have that type of respect um disrespect for each mm -hmm. other um and i'm a pretty tough cookie i've been through a lot of shit in life and i never knew how damaging being called a hoe and a bitch every day like while filming 16 hour days how it really like leaves a mark on you or someone like myself who's is pretty spiritual and, and drama free in my real life. So once again, I forgot the goddamn question. <laughs> <laughs> Take three. No, I've <laughs> <laughs> had a whole entire moment. Let's go. No, again. so uh, the question was really uh, posed around, you know, how is the relationship now? Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. So stay um, focused, please. It's it's rough. Need some blueberries. <laughs> I, well, I need less less THC in my tea. Um, the relationships are, are are where they need to be. I'm still battling with being even affiliated with that show i have this weird thing now it's just like i walk into a room or just have conversations with the executives that i knew before even new ones and i always feel like i have the scarlet letter on me and it's mm -hmm. really it's really weird because i have good friends in the industry they'll, they're like rockets five years you're way past that now and it's still like no but i was that girl to you yeah. so i i've changed how i move when i fell back a lot more and it's, it's taught me not to have to lean on anyone so it it, it actually helped my hustle a lot more as well. Mm. But um, I also hold a, a small grudge towards people who used to hold me down prior to doing that show and how they backed up all of you. But, you know, they say don't take it personally, but it's just like, I, w I was that girl to you. I was, you know, my introduction used to be, oh, she's the next Angie Martinez. Mm -hmm. And it, they went from that to like, oh, what up, Rock? And I'm like, what up from over there? Like, really, the head nod? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, um you know, the love is still there, but I learned to temper that as well. Mm -hmm. Did you get into, like, the whole spiritual thing, like, after that? Like, when you realized that just, like, mentally, spiritually, and emotionally, it was just so draining for you? I've always been spiritual. I've always been the mixture of Erica Badu, Rihanna, and uh, Cardi B. Like, I'm just a mixture of all of them. I did have to tap into it um, a lot more after doing this show because... I was I was becoming broken 
I would go on my Instagram and see, I mean, people that I've never even met in my life, like, you're a hoe. And I'm like, but why? Somebody <laughs> tell me why. And prove it's just it. like, prove, prove it. it. And prove it's it. funny because the entire, the entire season shooting that show, including the reunion, I'm like, prove it. Say your name. And yeah. Mona's like, let's move forward, Rocky. And I'm like, no, fuck you and the horse that you rode in on. I need one of these girls to name yeah. a name. And it was almost impossible. Not saying that I haven't had my hoo-ish moments. I'm, a, yeah. I'm an adult. But no one, no one to this day can ever pinpoint anyone and say, oh, she dated this guy. I'm mm. very, very private with my life. No. So, um, yeah. But, no. <laughs> I like that. Privacy. I'm extremely. Oh, private. I'm the same way. Yeah, but that, definitely. Uh, the same funny way. thing is, because all of you guys were on at once. And me, for me, it was tough. It really was tough. Like, I only watched... Cause I never really got into love and hip hop like that until yeah. that season. Cause I'm like, yeah. oh, like my family is on, like you know, like that everyone is on. Rough. And then I felt like I was going through it with you guys. Cause I'm just like, yo, that's that's not rocket. Like, yeah, damn, Joe, uh, what's 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 happening? Like, it was, I, mean, I don't it was know if your lot. audience knows that we're like family. Like, for I, real, well, for real. yeah, they don't, they don't. Yeah. But well, I now guess they know. They now, yeah. now, yeah, they know now. But it was it was tough for me. Uh, you know, having to look at it and be like, yo, that's fucked yeah. up. Like, that's not, you know what I'm saying? That's not her. Like, it was very damaging for our friendships, not mine, yours, yeah. uh, for Joe and I. Mm -hmm. um, he had a lot more experience in in being in front of the camera and, and, and knowing how to strategically place certain things. And so I remember the first day actually filming with him and it was cool. It was like, okay, I can do this. And then I walk out the room and I'm still mic'd up and he's mic'd up. And I'm in another room and they're like touching my makeup up and I hear him saying, oh yeah, Rocky's going to woo, 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 woo. And I was like, Rocky's going to what? So I'm like, what the fuck is Joe talking about? And he was kind of producing the show in his own way for it to kind of come out the way it did. But I didn't understand. I'm like, you're my friend. You're not supposed to do that. And he's like, shut up, Rock. It's TV. So it, it, it was a lot. I didn't understand the dynamics of the show. I didn't understand. What I really didn't understand was... Um, you know, everyone say, oh, don't do that show. It's just full of drama. And I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, well, they can't edit anything I don't say. And, you know, the things I said and the things I did, I really did do. But in a 16-hour uh, production day, you know, they could have me sitting here having this cool-ass conversation with grassroots. And by hour 16, I'm not fed and I'm on Hennessy. And now I'm going off on you like, bitch, this is taking way too long. And mm -hmm. now you're editing just that part yeah. every single day. So if you chose me to be the villain... Every day, every episode that I'm on, I'm going to be the villain. And yeah. I didn't understand Dang. that part. Mm. That's crazy. I can't lie. I don't watch any of that. You shouldn't. Yeah. You say brain cells. Congratulations. Have Thank some um, antioxidants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, the only, that was the only season I really watched. Outside of uh, Atlanta, because I, 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 I like Steve. Yeah, I, I just... I just no, those are some real characters. I don't know. I just yeah. don't like drama. I'm, I don't like drama in my life. I don't like watching drama on TV. Like, right. I'm, I'm the, I was the kid that like, I'd rather watch the Discovery Channel or something like me that. Me too. That's what's funny. I'm like the Discovery, yeah, channel, the me. history girl. Like, I read books. So for me to go from that <laughs> to love and hip hop, and it's funny, one of the producers, because I had a, I had a, a moment where it was like a complete mental breakdown. Like, why? How does this happen? How is this happening to me? And the producer finally had a moment with me in one of the production vans. It was like, listen, if you call a hoe a hoe, there's no, there's no fight. There's no resolution. If you call a stripper a stripper, it's what it is. But if you call someone who has struggled their whole life and like really hustled their whole life to get to a certain place without being a hoe, without being a stripper, without being this, they're going to fight for their life. So we need that. 
Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, so you you find a sacrificial lamb out of everyone who's going to go crazy if you call them a hoe. And yeah, basically. So I was like, okay, so you guys are playing God and this is the Hunger Games. And okay. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. Yeah. So basically, they, they kind of orchestrate these, I guess, <laughs> situations or, or circumstances yeah. based off of your own emotions. It's almost like Definitely. playing chess with your emotions the, at that the, point. Uh, oh, shit, the producer's there. <laughs> I was like, wait, she put fire if you're, if you're on she, she, like, she just lit she incense. Like, it's about to get real. I was like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> It just got real. Just, just so you're aware, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> no, the, the producers of uh, the room full of producers are like, some are like media trained and some are like psychological, psych, psychologists in, mm-hmm. in, in a sense. So it's like, yeah, literally when... I started uh, interviewing to do this show. It's like, well, what's one thing that you don't want to be, you know, want to be as your character, your role? What's one thing that would like kill you if someone said about you? And I was like, well, don't ever say anything about my son, which was like the trigger every single time. That's something people don't know that I can't even tell you how many times we've been shooting a scene and they wanted me to jump up and slap a bitch and go crazy. And I wouldn't. And the producer would pull the person out and they'll come back and like, yeah, so your son. And now I'm going ape shit but that's what they wanted to capture they just wanted me going ape shit so there's times in in the episodes you would see me like a girl like what's wrong with you and i'm like bitch i'll kill you yeah but that didn't happen then it happened because she said something about my kid or whatever it is oh it it literally is the hunger games chopped and screwed shit it is it is so i have to take responsibility for my actions and and but I still say to this day I'm justified. And if they played the full, you know, the entire footage that they have, they're like, oh, okay, she's not crazy. Oh, she's mm-hmm. not seven. Yeah. Like, I would have killed that person too. I would have went, yeah. And for the record, no one, the entire season, all 15 episodes, put their hands on me. Not one person. Just want to. Oh, so you had no hair grab, no No, no I, I no, did have no a drink. drink poured in my face. I did. Yeah. And um, mm. was smashed yeah. in my face, which is really funny because the whole makeup team and everyone who did our makeup the next day was just like, she's really sorry. She didn't mean for the cup to fly out her hand, too. So it was like, no, fuck that. Like, the cup <laughs> smacked me in my face. But, um, yeah, it gets real. One thing about reality TV, it's not scripted, per se, where it's actually written out. But the producers, it, they build... A momentum during the day it's like yeah we're gonna we know what how to trigger her and this that and the other and wait so the, do, when you guys are like talking or in a scene do they like pull one of you guys aside and time. like all the time so you'll be like so it looks like you're having a full conversation but that conversation could be like an hour long and they pull you out for a hours, second it's like hours hey. hours and like i can say this for instance ebro hot 97 ebro i actually invited him on the show and it was funny because from Mona to every other producer on the show, it's like, if he doesn't show up, that's a $45,000 production day that you just ruined because we've been asking him to come on the show and he won't come on the show. I'm like, he's coming on the show. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, he walked in the restaurant. I'm like, that's my man, 40 grand. <laughs> so the premise of me inviting him is like, I need you after I've been going through hell with all these yeah. others, right? Um I need you to really let people know that I, I put I put down the work. Like I've been yeah. on the scene for a minute and it was cool. And we we're filming and he's like, yeah, Rocky's, you know, has a resume, blah, blah, blah. And then you hear Mona, hey, bro. And then he's gone for a minute and he comes back and he has a whole new demeanor. I'm like, what? And then an hour later, now we're going back and forth. And I'm like, what's going on? Like he completely turned on me. And um, I was just like, wow, you did that for camera? Really? Camera time? But, you know, I found out 
I found out like a, maybe a month later that they were offered that weak ass Hot 97 um, re, uh, TV show that they did that flopped. Mm. And I was like, oh, okay, I get it. You severed my head for it, do you? Yeah. That's crazy, man. Have some berries. <laughs> Have some antioxidants. Have some crazy. blueberries. That's a wild story. Yeah. All right. Fast forwarding from that shit. Yeah, fuck love and hip hop. Yeah. <laughs> so, so moving forward, um, you're now money team. Yeah. Certified massage. We're all money yes. team, by the way. We're all money team. We're all I ain't, I ain't money team. Wow. We're all the How am I checking the savings? Look like, like is, is it your, the, the way my checkings and savings, savings is set up. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So talk to us about that. How do how do you get such a great opportunity? I mean, you you uh, introduced us to one of our guests before, Dewan Blake. Shout out to yes. you. Yes, yeah. shout out to Dewan, and thank you so much. Yeah, for thank it you. Up. Yeah. Very very cool, humble dude. Super cool. Uh, very knowledgeable. Um, his story was crazy too. Yeah, his story is wild. Um, so how how did how does that come about? Because his was very unique. He his circumstance was it was either you were going to be in jail, prosecuted mm -hmm. one day, to then you getting flown out. Tell me about this your. This is experience. a story that I've never told anyone. Ooh, Ooh. do tell us. So, uh, I also DJ. You guys know that part. Yes, right? so I DJ. Okay, um, at that. Uh, about five, four and a half years ago, I was contracted to Shamboard. And so I would do some ambassadorship and DJing for them. And they would, we would fly all over the country, blah, blah, blah. So I was like, okay, cool. Um, I wanted to go to the Mayweather fight and um, DJ one of his parties because I know he was going to win. So I did that, blah, blah, blah. The funny part of that story is I was actually dating someone at the time in live. And um, I found some disparaging news uh, accidentally. He called me by accident, butt dialed me. And I stood on that phone until the shit got hot. <laughs> I'm listening to every goddamn word he and she was saying. And I was like, woo, unbreak my heart. Yikes. So oh, I called him back and I'm like, I can be vicious. And I'm like, you know what? Since you want to play and you want to act like you don't remember who I am, I'm going to show you something. When I get to Vegas... I'm going to land the big fish. And it literally was just like that. I went out there. I DJed. Uh, I had a radio interview there. And I was like, how do I get to the man? I want to get to the man. And um, I met a couple people. And that day I was in his house. And it was a couple days uh, before the fight. Literally three days before. Um, Madonna, I think it was. The Madonna fight. And um, I was at his house and there was maybe 70 people at his house and I'm like holy shit first of all I'm cracking up because I'm like once again Rocky the Oracle anything you want you get mm -hmm. so I'm in his beautiful mansion and he's you know he's walking around he's like yeah I got 25 Bugattis and I, I'm like <laughs> he really does have all of this shit but I was like I, I want to know more. I want to know more about you because I've heard this 25 Bugattis in 26 houses and this and that and the other. And I was kind of like, eh, I'm bored. And it's like snooze fest. Like, what else do you got, buddy? And he's a great host and he's going to show you every yeah. trick and trade and everything he got going on in that house. So you're like, oh my God, it's like walking into like an adult Disney world. Mm -hmm. But um, me having a, a way about myself and wanting to know the depths of someone, I was just like sitting there unimpressed. And... Um, the night was winding down and I started talking to him about, you know, his girlfriends, plural. And, you know, I brought up my my grandfather who was Muslim, et cetera, et cetera. And it was just like a totally different dynamic. And I was like, wait a minute, this guy is totally different than I ever imagined. 
So long story short, he started asking me a ton of questions that I just wasn't even prepared to be asked by the champ of the world. I'm like, wow, he's like really interested in having this conversation. So I was like, yeah, I'm a realtor in New Jersey and I do this. And he's like, oh, well, I got somebody who needs a house and link up with this one. And there's two other realtors in the, in, in the house at that moment. I was like, okay, cool. So I'm like, yeah, I'm a DJ and I'm this and then. So there was 25 different people in there to link up with like, okay, you're a international DJ. I'm going to give you my DJ card and you're a broker mm. and I'm going to give you my real estate card. So it literally from that day, I never gave him my number. Um, two weeks later, one of the realtors called me and said, hey, listen, I'm working a project in Miami, but I need someone to do something for the Mayweather's in New Jersey. And it was like, cool. And from there, it was just like, and I will say out of all the people I know on this planet, he takes advantage and capitalizes off of any great uh, attribute you have. So if you're a realtor, he's going to he's going to get you to get those houses. If you're a DJ, you're going to DJ 10 parties that night. If you're a writer at the end of the night at three o'clock in the morning when the party's over, yeah. you're going to be writing. And so that's my. That's crazy. To TFJ. Yeah. That's, that's cool. You said it, and it's funny because it, it's built so much from there because like everything I've ever done in my whole life, I do for TMT. Mm-hmm. So uh, he has a club called the girl collection. It's a strip club. And I was there from, when it was dirt until what it is now and actually right now i'm already renovating the entire club which so that brings in my interior design uh portion of rocky so i'm doing that and a million and one other things but it pays well he's very generous you don't sleep you might not eat for a few days but you know it's worth the check comes yeah so i i'll say that i work four or five months straight for the year and then everything else is is play or whatever else I want to do. But when I say four or five months straight, I'm talking about three, four, five days sleeping, maybe two hours in five days. And that's because that's his regimen. That's his, he, the guy's a beast. He's not even from this planet. Mm -hmm. I mean, in training camp, the guy runs with donuts and Coca-Cola in his hand. I've never seen anything like it. So you have to be built a certain way. So I want to give props to, especially the girls that are in TMT. I know a lot of people see them, oh, that's his girlfriend or she's a whole, like automatically when you're around that guy, they're like, oh, he's sleeping with you. And that's just automatic. And you have to have tough skin and be like, oh, whatever. But the women of TMT, the ones that you see and the ones that you don't, when I tell you work like I've never seen before, like to work for Floyd Mayweather, you have to, there you have to be able to weather every storm. Like, yeah. okay, you didn't sleep for forty eight hours. So what? The jet is waiting for you and gotta go. Yeah, gotta yeah. go. So does it ever get like tiring at a certain point where like every phase of your <laughs> career it's like, oh, she's sleeping with this person, next phase. Oh, she's sleeping with this person, next phase. It used to when I tell you it used to make me cry, like literally, and I used to fight and I, I realized that the more you fight, the more energy you give it, the more they go at you. Because they love that shit. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, oh, she, she's losing it. She's, you yeah. know, it's not that serious. Ma. If it's not that serious, why the fuck do you keep saying it to yeah. me? Yeah. Right? But it used to drive me insane. And then when I finally attached myself to the, the, the real bag, it was just like, well, say what you want to say. Because it, it's, it's, it's worth the, the look or whatever or yeah. being discredited because I'm making deposits regularly. Mm-hmm. Well, hey. The IRS didn't hear that. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, you about to get audited right after this. Woo! 
Where she live? We don't know. Yeah, no, I, I deal with it all the time, but it's just like, you know, it's whatever. Yeah. I feel like like if you're doing something great though, that's when most haters come. The more haters you have, like it shows that you're doing what you're doing. Yeah. Shoot, we have haters now. Yeah. Like, hey, congratulations. Guys. We 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 went on up. Yeah. It's so funny because I I I I'm in the process of also writing a book too. Um but it's just so funny. Girls, girls, guys, I don't I don't understand why people can't wrap this part around their their, their mind, but as a woman who, who has a look, whether you have a look or not, sexy, cute, whatever it may be, or just you're just smart as hell, yeah. you get so much more not sleeping with the person than you do sleeping with the person. The moment you sleep with the person, your time starts ticking, bitch, yeah. you're expiring. Yeah. Yes. There's only but so many Thank tricks you. you can do. Thank you. Like, you could have the sauciest ass on the planet. There's someone else who has another kind of jam or jelly on the other side mm-hmm. of the fence. Yeah. So... One thing I do know about men and and wealthy men and successful men, they're hunters, 100% hunters. You can't just lay down and be the prey. I'm just dead here. I'm I'm waiting. No, like if you keep them on the chase, you're good forever. Men will pay an enormous amount of money for something they can't have. And also they like when you treat them like humans, especially when they're celebrities. Or peasants. You stand out. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you (laughs) see. No, but you 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 stand out when you're actually treating like a human being. Like you were saying, like you were not impressed, or you're like, okay, I want to I want to know who you are. I don't I don't care about the car stuff. And they're like, oh shit, I've never had anyone say that. It's just now where the blinders are off. You know, four years in, where I'm like, now I'm like receiving everything that he does and he gets. I'm like, he goes to Beverly Hills and is like, oh, it's an $11 million house. I'm going to buy it. And I'm usually the person behind him, like, looking over contracts and doing this, that, and the other. So I'm not really in it. I'm like, it's, fuck it, it's not mine. But now really being a part of the team, I'm like, whoa, this guy really, now I'm impressed yeah. beyond belief because I'm a part of it and I see the work he puts into it. I've been through several training camps with him and he's he's just, he's brilliant. And a lot of people don't know that. So now, now I'm impressed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, what are some of the things that you've picked up, um, I guess, from him and that team? Because you were, you know, kind of inserted in as the kind of the newbie. So now you're kind of, in a sense, giving him guidance on certain things. Right. What are certain things that you've just observed where you're like, oh, shit, I wouldn't have thought to think about it like that. Or, wow, you, you handled this, you know, rather well. I'm mm-hmm. impressed by it. Um, what I've observed is just being extremely observant. Yeah. That's one thing I learned from him specifically. I used to say, like, this guy is an alien because he can be in a full conversation with you right here and know what's going on over there and over there and over there, like, literally word for word and can tell you, maybe two months later, yeah, remember when I was doing that interview, you said such and such, and like, how do you know that, man? You were over here. So I learned how to be, like, 100% on, you know? So it's like... If I'm doing this interview and, and I have something else going on, I'll schedule it or whatever it is. Just being completely observant and in the moment until you're not needed to be in the moment and you take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> Which I need now. By the way, I've taken cough medicine. You guys know that. I just came back from Colombia and did another whole world tour, so I'm a little mm. under the weather. Mm-hmm. So it's not just the weed. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> feel like I'm high in here. <laughs> yeah. Have some more antioxidants. Oh, my God. No, I feel like antioxidants like cover for something else. So, keys you them. to add to that, <laughs> and this is just not my resume that I'm putting out there. I'm just telling you, just being a part of TMT and also being the person that I am, 
I'm evolving all the time. So when you find someone who's, you know, who's supportive and you evolving and making changes, because a lot of people aren't. They're like, baby, man, you are a rapper on Tuesday. And now, so what? If you can do it and, and capitalize off it and love what you're doing, do it. So I always wanted to become a massage therapist since I was really, really young. Um, not knowing how much went into being a massage therapist. Mm-hmm. I just knew that I love getting massages. I was yeah. I was spending a, a stupid amount of money getting massages. And my friends are like, bitch, you're way too fancy. But I'm like, no, everyone needs basic human touch. Without, without intimacy, without it being sexual, like it's so needed. So it was just something I always wanted to do. But I had so many other things going on that it was like there was no time for me to ever go to school. And... Um, being with TMT, I was able to carve out different ways for me to work with him, be it remotely or on the weekends, et cetera, et cetera. So um, I wanted to become a massage therapist, and I, I told him about it. I was like, yeah, I, I've always wanted to do that. And he's like, go with it. And I don't know too many people that will leave the team and all the money that you can get while working to go ahead and spend almost a year in school. Like, I'm talking about 13-hour days, like yeah. to take an accelerated course. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. And if it means out of sight, out of mind, I know what's for me is for me. So literally, I would go to school Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday until 7 o'clock. And literally, I'll get a call like, hey, the jet is there. And I'm literally literally out of school Friday on a jet to somewhere in the country and then flying on a jet back to school Monday morning. That's crazy. Yeah. So. I know what that's like. Yeah. Yep. Oh, man. And I didn't skip a beat. Every project that I worked on for him got done, whether it was me having to facilitate the, the project through FaceTime, I, I did it. Mm. And I there was many a nights I've cried because I'm exhausted, but it worked out. Yeah. Paid so off. I'm a licensed massage therapist. Um, I started off, I didn't intend on being his personal massage therapist, but it was just so happened that right when I graduated, like I think I graduated on a Thursday, Friday I was back in Vegas and training camp was starting again. So it's like, okay, now I'm focused on massage therapy with him. As <laughs> He's well as like, let's else. see, let's see what the let's fuck you done you learned. <laughs> Which is really, really funny because I do so many other things for him. So it was it was the balancing act of okay. I just worked from 7 a.m. to now it's 7 a.m. again, and he's finally wi- winding down. And it's like, oh, yeah, take off your construction hat. I know you were renovating, but uh, you're, the, you're the massage therapist now. So it's like at 3, 4 o'clock in the morning, I'm like, holy shit now. Yeah, but it's it, it's just really dope. <laughs> <laughs> Everything is just really dope when you're with a, a team that supports your dreams. So it's yeah. just like I can go from, you know, being the writer of the team or the the interior designer for the team and now I'm the massage therapist so my resume is in, insane and it's just it's tangible things I can, I can show you I can walk you into a club and show you hey this was never here and this is the blueprint and I made that happen mm-hmm. and so from that point on after um, training camp and the whole world tour happens I come back home and I now I'm jacked up I'm wired because I'm used to not sleeping for days on end so it's like what am I going to get into and so from that point on I end up um I got a client who is actually the president of Nike, who does all of the uh, athletic branding for Kyrie Irving, LeBron James. We need James. sponsorship. We need sponsorship. <laughs> we need sponsorship. And they have really great clients. So it was just like, hey, what do you got? And I was like, okay, I got you. And What's, what's his name? 
I will withhold that. <laughs> and, we need um, sponsorship. Yeah, so now I'm three months into being the personal massage therapist for Nike branding and athletics. That's crazy. So yeah. she's basically Superwoman. Yeah. yeah. I'm not calling her that, but whatever. Yeah. Okay. I just do Super what Rocky. I gotta do. I just do what I gotta do, you know? I yeah. you know, there's there's still I still have so much more room to grow. I'm always willing to learn. Like um the flaw in all of this is that I haven't found that one thing that makes me say, Okay, this is it. Mm-hmm. This is it. This is what I want right here forever. Well, I mean, but that that doesn't necessarily mean it's a a, a bad thing or a flaw yeah. because it's, I mean, it's, only- I think I think it's more of a perk considering that just shows your drive. Like you're, I'm you don't, getting older. Uh, I am getting a little tired, yeah, a little yeah, weary. Yeah, but <laughs> you, you still have the drive and the hustle, and you still want more. I'm 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 big on that. I'm big on always wanting more for yourself because I feel like the moment you get complacent or the moment you really just sit down and just stop, yeah. I feel like that's when you really start to die. And I don't mean to sound dramatic, yeah. but that's really yeah. how I feel. I feel well, like you live every day for, that. for something. I'm hustling to buy time. Mm-hmm. When I first started, you know, getting money and, and figuring out like there's really money out there, um, you know, I wanted to buy bags and shoes and this and that. And I do like that stuff, but at this point in my life, it's like I'm hustling to buy time. There's a certain point in my life where I want to say, that's it, I'm done. Kind of like a retirement. Um, but I, I don't want to hustle as hard as I as I do now because mm-hmm. I, you know, I've been at this for, for some time. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's all at some point it's all gonna come to a, a, a point where I'm gonna sit on the beach in, in white linen and you guys are gonna come to me and just pay me for my essence. Yeah. No, I'm I'm probably not, but I'll, 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 you know, I'll appreciate your grind. Yeah, my storytelling and, and my experience will be something that I will be paid for well yeah. at some point. Yeah, I always say that you do, um, you keep very good relationships. Yeah. Why do you think that is? And you often call yourself the hip-hop confidant. Right. Why do you think that some of the most important people in the world are comfortable enough to confide in you and, and open up to you in a sense? That I have to give the credit to God and the universe. I didn't ask for it. It's it's dope in a way. It's like, wow, I have some really great connections, but it's also a major burden, like to mm-hmm. mentally, emotionally, even physically for myself, carrying a lot of people's stresses and their stories and me trying to help figure them out and pull them out the dark side or whatever it may be. Um that's just something that was given to me by God and, and being the confidant for people. Because it, it really didn't start out for me saying, oh, I want to be hip hop's confidant. I want to know your business. Mm-hmm. It started off for me where it's just like, okay, I want to interview you. And then it's like, as soon as the interview was over, these conversations just started flowing. And it's like, fuck, I needed that on camera and I need this on tape. And it's like, okay, maybe it's not for that. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a, there's a bigger purpose. So I'm still trying to figure out what that purpose is, aside from it just being a great relation, uh, having great relationships with people. Um, I know that there's, there's, there's a purpose behind it. And part of it, I know it's to humanize um, the people that I have these relationships with, be it an executive or a superstar or megastar, whatever they may be, people tend to dehumanize them and see them only as a star, only as an athlete and only as a rapper. And it's like, no, he cries like real tears. Like I've mm-hmm. literally like held this person sobbing, you know, for different things that happened in their life, et cetera. And it's not only just dark things or, you know, things that are hurtful. It's like their joys in life or just weird things. It's just like, he really wants to be a wrestler. And if I told you who that person was, you would 
fall out, but I've had this like I've had a conversation with someone that's like Floyd was they, I mean, wrestler. no, not him, <laughs> not him, but someone who is just like I mean, completely out of his element, and it's like he has the whole outfit design in his head, and like he's this is some an inner dream that people wouldn't know about. So, I think one day I would have a, a platform to yeah bring that to life. Well, maybe also part of it is that. Whatever you set in your mind, you go for it. And people like that. And maybe they wish they had that inside themselves that they see in you. Yeah. Maybe. Could be. Because you're just like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go and do it. Boom, boom, boom. Like, literally, your entire story is just like, yeah, I want to do this. And then you go and do it. Yeah, I'm going to do this. And And I don't, I'll be honest, I don't, I don't even credit myself with it. Like, there isn't, you know, I don't have. A strategy. I don't have a plan book and how I make it happen. I just say I'm going to do it, mm-hmm. and I just do it. And I and I I prepare myself for rejection. And I pre- prepare myself for you know the door getting slammed in my face. But it's just like, no, I'm gonna do it. That door is slammed in my face just because they want me to yeah. kick it in harder. But so. most people are afraid to even start. Yeah, yeah. I I I had a big dose of that after doing Love and Hip Hop. Um, that that show just was like the absolute worst thing I ever did in my life. But after that, I was hit with, oh, man, I wonder if this person knows Rocky Thunder from Love and Hip Hop, right? Uh. And doesn't know who I really am. So that I, the first time in my life I ever had that, that blockage of fear was after doing that show. It was just like I pulled back completely and was like, oh, I can't do that because they're going to remember me from doing this stupid show. And they're going to yeah. think I'm this and think I'm that. But um, guess what? Bills still had to get paid, and I'm not about to lay down and just die. So yeah. So Definitely. looking back on just your journey, uh, past, present, future, what are what can we expect from you? Like, what is the next thing? Don't expect anything from me. That's first and foremost. I don't even know what to expect from myself. <laughs> Um, honestly, I have no idea. Just expect for me to keep growing and evolving and. Um, tapping more into my spiritual side where that's um it's where I'm leaning more towards every day like I want to I used to think that I had to separate Rocky Thunder Rocky Bugatti the personality and the industry hustler and my spiritual side and I'm learning now with age you don't have to and if you walk in with your spirituality with you you won't end up in situations that I might have in the past so yeah yeah Expect greatness. Expect me for one one day you're watching me and poof, I'm like enlightened and you don't see me and you're like, oh shit, where's Rocky? Oh, she's up there with Gandhi and them. Well, no, the, the moment that happens, I'm going to dish Let me be clear. I'm going to dish the shit out of you. As you see like the smoke in the background here. Yeah, just I'm way too comfortable here. No, no, no. This is this is the napping grounds here and it's cool. This yeah. is, a lot of people don't know this side of me, yeah. but... It's it's who I am. This is yeah. really this is me. For a second, I still slap the shit out of someone, <laughs> you know, with the hand of God. <laughs> you know, I can't lie. When she lit the the lighter, I thought she was burning some sage. All oh, this conversation. Let me. No, I'm gonna sage once you guys leave, just in case you guys have a trail of shit with you. I oh don't know God. what's going on. No. You know, I'll ask you guys that question when my podcast comes out, which mm. Brandon has been driving me crazy to get my podcast. Yeah. Oh wait, what? You were yeah. starting a podcast? Yes, yes. Rocky. Uh, oh, you I, need to start it. <laughs> I gave her some very, very good jewels because she's always been very great, you know, obviously, especially to us and, yeah. and to me. So I gave her some really, really good jewels. I'm hoping that she does follow through because um, 
I think you are needed in this day and age. Like I always said that, um, and even when, when I talked about you, you coming on, I always said like her personality. You'll get it. Like she's just dumb, cool. Like you'll get it. Like she's oh, like, I got it. And I was like, yo, the moment you meet her, it's not one of those things where you gotta kind of ease in. And she's very just straight to the point, blunt, crazy, yeah. but cool. Yeah. And with that type of personality and that type of energy, I always felt that it it needed to be expressed on a bigger platform. And then, and when you said it to me uh, that you were gonna you were thinking about starting, and I, the first thing I said was, "Oh, you 100% need to do it. You need to do it out of the all." The dope people. thing about it is, Brandon yeah. again gave me a ton of gems and sent me a text of all the equipment that I need to buy because the main reason why I didn't start the podcast when I said I was a few years ago is because I didn't want to be static or stagnant any one place. I'm like, yeah. I can't commit to a Monday or Tuesday every week in one place. Mm-hmm. And now seeing that you can move around with it and get yeah. shit done, I'm like, yeah. okay, it's it's on. So the name of the podcast is The Mental Fuck. Oh. And uh, yeah. They yeah. need to be t-shirts too for that. T-shirts. I need that mental fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I've been mentally fucking you all day. Yeah, basically. I'm going to walk out of here fucking twitching and shit. I know what the fuck is going on. 